0: Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Wednesday, August 15th.
1: Mm. 16th.
0: August 16th. (laughs) Field Yates, Liz Loza, Daniel Dopp, We just got done with the fantasy marathon. I am still obviously delirious from being awake for two straight days.
2: I'll cut you some slack. You could have told me it was Independence (laughs) Day right now, and I'd (laughs) say totally tracks. Oh, I'm
1: wide awake because I got an A on my draft. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that
2: didn't happen. happen. If if you're listening right now, you're probably saying, "Is that Liz Loza? The great Liz Loza? The great Liz Loza Loza is back! Welcome back! Thank you. So good to have you in person as well.
1: It's been a minute.
2: To what do we owe this honor?
1: The marathon.
2: The ma- All right. You know what? I'm back in on marathons. <laughs> I was out in on at it. about 1030 last night. I'm officially back in on marathons. What a great treat this is to have you in town yeah. for a couple of days and on Focus for today. This is awesome.
1: I love being here. I love my middle now. seat. What?
2: You live in Los Angeles. Okay. Do, you really, Do love, you really love visiting Bristol? Love being here?
1: I love being here. Wow.
0: Wow. What a team player That's you so are. That is so sweet. Yeah. Seriously. I don't think I love being here.
2: I'd rather be in LA right now. I, I told think.
1: you we could we could family swap. We could ha- not family swap house swap. House swap. House swap. Have- house swap. How far
2: uh, without like revealing too much about your personal information to the masses? How far do you live from the beach?
1: Um, 45 minutes.
2: Okay. Well, it's like, what's well, like two and a half miles in LA. Stop.
1: <laughs> Stop. That's, you, that's did, good. You know. That is yeah. pretty good. You know. Traffic is a little, but there's a freeway. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know. How okay. To, so, yeah. for,
2: so it's not like, I guess we live about an hour from the beach here in Connecticut. It's just different
1: types of beach. Yeah. And different and kind like, of beach here.
2: You can go to the beach in like, you know, on December 17th. If we go to the beach on December 17th, it's strictly for a polar plunge.
1: <laughs> no. Yes. We can go to the beach on December 17th. It's beautiful. I do love Los Angeles. I do love Southern California and I do love The topics we're discussing because we're going to talk about one L.A. team.
0: Yes, we are. We're going to dive into the NFC West and go through this entire division, talk about how we feel about every team. In fact, we don't really have a ton of news. I do want to say this. It is finally official. We just got word from Adam Schefter. Ezekiel Elliott has signed his contract with the New England Patriots It doesn't really do a whole lot for me, though, within fantasy. It was Ramondre just a little bit down, but not a whole lot. We
2: talked about it yesterday and just how it does adjust our Ramondre-Stevenson rank a a little bit. And we'll see how much Zeke has left in the tank. Uh, Add some, I would say, some juice to the Patriots' offense, even if he's not... A great player like Ezekiel. It's a big enough name that I'm sure Patriots fans are excited this morning. We'll see whether or not he practices with the team. They are one of many teams that are doing uh, joint practices right now. They are yeah. in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, the one stadium that I've never been to in the NFL is Lambeau Field. It is a shame of mine. It is wow. a badge of... The opposite of honor. So if somebody wants to invite me to a Packers game this season, I would love to join you. Um, I might have to miss work for a couple of days, but I've (laughs) never been to Lambeau Field, and I consider that a serious, serious hole in my
1: resume. And Lambeau, in winter. I mean, you, if you're going to do it, you have Yeah, you, you got to do it in like it. the middle of so December.
2: Gonna say, I gonna say, no, I was going to say like middle of September, we're good, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it gets to, you know, about 12 <laughs> degrees by about, uh, but, I don't know, Labor Day. So That's we're what in it feels like there. Yeah, Heck yeah, man. All right, let's dive into the NFC
0: West. I'm really excited about this. 49ers. A lot of questions I actually feel like with this team. They were 13 and four last year, plus 173 point differential. We're going to start at the top. Field Yates. Yeah. There, there's one question at the running back position, right? Yep. It is, are you going to draft CMC Mm -hmm. or Austin Eckler as the first running back off the board?
2: Yeah, so I'm taking Austin Eckler. This is splitting the narrowest of hairs here between two elite players, by far the two most productive pass-catching running backs in the NFL over the past couple of seasons. Christian McCaffrey exploded with the 49ers Mm -hmm. last year after being traded from the Carolina Panthers. But you have to find one way to split the difference, Mm -hmm. right? And for me, it comes down to the fact that when Christian McCaffrey... And Elijah Mitchell were both on the field last season. We saw enough of Elijah Mitchell, and it impacted Christian McCaffrey's weekly output enough. And I'm not talking about torpedoed it, but it impacted it enough. You had finishes like RB13, RB15 from Christian McCaffrey, a sort of a terrible week for Christian McCaffrey at one point as well, because Elijah Mitchell had just two fewer carries in those four games played together than Christian McCaffrey. Meanwhile in Los Angeles, I just don't feel like there's any real threat to Austin Eckler in that chargers backfield. So Christian McCaffrey, he may be RB two, But the more realistic tag for him is RB1B, right? It's 1A is Austin Eckler, RB1B is Christian McCaffrey.
1: For what it's worth, Austin Eckler averaged 21.9 fantasy points per week and Christian McCaffrey averaged 21.7 fantasy points per week after joining the 49ers. I think the other thing that allows me to rank Austin ahead of CMC is his nose for the end zone. You know, he's 38 led the touchdowns position. over the
2: past two seasons for Austin Eckler. And it's, it feels weird because it seems like you're you know, you are like taking a shot at Christian McCaffrey, who last year uh, was so bad. He only had 13 total touchdowns, what right? I mean, we, we would sign up for that every day of the yeah. week for Christian McCaffrey <laughs> for this upcoming season. So uh, you have to nitpick between these two elite players. But Christian McCaffrey absolutely belongs in the conversation for the number one overall pick. I expect him to go no lower than probably pick five in almost every single draft. Agreed. If he makes it past
0: pick five, he's a value. You should be taking him every single time. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Field. I think there is another player in this offense. Actually, this is the player that I'm the most intrigued to talk about. Yeah. Debo Samuel had an incredible 2021 really came down to earth, dealt with uh, injuries last year, missed four games, My question is, and I think we see this player quite differently, to be honest. Okay. my question is, do you think that Debo can bounce back this season with Brock Purdy under center?
2: First of all, sort of interesting that you say we see him quite differently because we're only four spots apart in our wide receiver rankings. I've got Debo Samuel as wide receiver 17 and Debo Samuel, you have to almost look back to 2021 to tell the full story of what Debo Samuel has been in his fantasy football career. He was the highest scoring receiver in fantasy in 2021. Yep. Literally wide receiver one, a season in which he caught 17 passes for 1,405 yards. That's over 18 yards per catch. Not You said 17, 77 passes, 77 passes for 1,405 yards. That's absurd. Over 18 yards per catch on 77 catches is a ridiculous number for any player. Yeah. On top of that, he had 59 rushes for 365 yards. And five rush, excuse me, eight rushing touchdowns. Much of that took place in the second half of that season. The reality for Debo's 2021 was that he kind of broke the efficiency models, both as a runner and a touchdown scorer. Maybe wide receiver one was an inaccurate reflection of what he is going to be year over year over year. I think 2022, though, was also an inaccurate reflection of what Debo Samuel was going to be year over year over year as he really came back down to earth. He had just 56 catches, only two receiving touchdowns. And while he did have 42 rushes again, he had just three rushing touchdowns. He dealt with injuries, the addition of Christian McCaffrey, the fact that this team has so many playmakers obviously makes things a bit more difficult to evaluate week over week, like who's going to be the guy besides CMC, which is why I've kind of split the difference for Debo Samuel. Wide receiver 17, I think he has way more upside than some of the players that are being drafted right around him. He has, again, literally been wide receiver one, but we have given you the discount on Debo Samuel this year because we saw last season... His efficiency was not going to be that crazy. And also, there are going to be weeks where if Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk go off, what does that mean for Debo Samuel?
1: He's not going to.
2: Probably not. Yep. yep.
1: You're going to get a lot of boom bust, I feel like, with the whole of this offense, frankly, except for maybe CMC. I think that could be He's the one, guy the you one, count one piece, on. yep. the engine that you can count on a weekly basis. Um, For Debo, only one top 20 weekly finish at wide receiver after the 49ers acquired Christian CMC. McCaffrey. Yep. But, and this is the giant but, Who is more versatile and speaks to the upside that you mentioned than Debo Samuel? Like that sort of ability and intrigue, which isn't just a thought. It isn't just potential. It is on film and we've seen it, can be actualized. And who better to actualize it than someone like Kyle Shanahan? And that is why he's going to stay inside my top 20. And also why, if I'm looking at roster construction, I know he's going to have these peak weeks. But I also know he's going to have these Valley moments. And so I would like to draft someone and roster someone with him that can offset that and is more um, of a consistent playmaker.
0: Yeah. I don't agree with you guys.
1: All right, let's go. Okay, So
0: tell us more pretty much across the board. I realize I have him as wide receiver 21. I think I'm going to move him down a little bit. What are you concerned by? Uh, Pretty much everything. If I'm honest, Fields, you talked about who this wide receiver is. I just don't think I know who Debo is. Four years in the league. Yeah. 12.6 points per game. 11.5 11.5 points per game, 21.2 points per game, yeah. 13. He's had one season where he's averaged more than 13 points per game. We're drafting him as a wide receiver, 15 right now. Yeah. Coming off the board in the fourth round, after CMC got there, his rushing value cratered. You talked about how with CMC, he might not get the same rushing value because Elijah Mitchell is there. That doesn't even include Debo Samuel. Once CMC got there, he only had 96 rushing yards and only two rushing touchdowns. And he didn't go back to that 2021 rate of getting 10 or more targets a game. He only saw seven targets a game once CMC got there. If I'm looking at these two 49ers pass catchers, based on Debo going in the fourth round and Brandon Ayuk going in the ninth round, I'm drafting Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel because I don't like the value for Debo this year. I'd rather take Brandon Ayuk and yeah. all the hype that is coming from him and the value there than seeing Debo because I don't think I feel as confident as you guys do Damn. that Debo was definitely the guy that he was in 2021 and last year was just a down year. I think 2021 feels a little bit more like an, uh,
2: an outlier season to me. Okay, a couple thoughts here. Please Debo Samuel with his skill set, If you told me that he was getting zero rushing attempts for the entire season and only seven targets a game, I'd actually feel fine. I mean, I wouldn't feel great, but I would feel fine. And I think this offseason, it's been made clear by the 49ers that Debo was not fully right health wise last year. Correct. That is that it just was like not a lost season for Debo Samuel but a season that they would tell you, yeah, it was, it was a complicated, not exactly optimal performance uh, for Debo Samuel's season. I think he's going to have a bounce back this year. And if you told me that he was getting eight, eight and a half, nine targets per game, even if he rushes the ball like 25 times the entire season, I'd feel great about Debo Samuel because we're not talking about a good player. We're talking about an elite player with the ball in his hands. I think he might be who I was going to say the best, but, He's in the conversation for the best run-after-catch player amongst all wide receivers in the NFL. Which is
1: only highlighted in the offense that he Yeah, and it's the
2: perfect offense for exactly that. So I actually kind of
1: love it.
0: Super disappointing. He's never been like he's had one season better than wide receiver 25 in fantasy. I hear you.
2: I do hear you on that. I try to. I'm not saying you just totally ignore what happens in a player's rookie and sophomore season. But I do feel like it's pretty natural to see like an uptick. And we kind of saw what he can be in year Whoa. three. No, and then we year did not. Four,
0: no, we did not. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, From, from year one that.
2: to year two. No, you could know, kind of. We, we did not see what, what, what he can be in year three because
0: he's not going to be what he was in year three because CMC is now on this team. So all the things we saw in year three,
2: not going to happen again this year. Okay. I kind you know what? I like Debo Samuel more. I think I just, I, I'm going for the pedigree and the player, like the skill sets off the charts. And I think the 49ers know that they need to do more with Debo Samuel this year. So I'm feeling bullish on this one, Daniel. All right. We have not yet. And, you know, we've been waiting for Liz to do oh. that. That's what it is, yeah. We have not yet had a board bet this season. Ooh. I don't even know if the board still exists. I see uh, Kevin Pulsifer texting me right now. He's got something he wants to. He wants to. Okay. Five point five. All right. So ten targets per game with D with Ayuk in twenty twenty one before he got out of the doghouse and then five point five with Ayuk as the actual wide receiver too. Listen, here's the deal. First of all, Pulse, if you're gonna send these stats, only send stats that support my argument. Let's <laughs> make sure that we get Appreciate that very that, clear Kevin. going Thank forward. You. Um I'm more confident here. You wanna
0: go I now I wanna say this very clearly. Yeah I'm not ranking Brandon Ayuk over Debo. Are you but like based on where more? the
2: value is at, I will probably draft Ayuk over Debo. Totally reasonable. All right. So, do you think you're going to move Debo Samuel down a little bit from wide receiver 21? Maybe the wide receiver 17. Okay, so a nice little split the difference. We have got the Browner here, the uh, Ivy Leaguer, and Liz Loza. A nice little wide receiver 20 splits that difference. Does that seem reasonable? Sure. If he's at 23 and I'm at 17, yeah, yeah. do we think we maybe go points per game? Do you want to do total points? I like what points do, per game because Debo's got a game. little bit of, I mean, he he's one of those guys that's going to go
0: 100% whether it's good or bad for him and it okay. might be some time because All right. I like so points we, per game. I
2: think I do. Th- All right, so let's make sure we get the parameters correct. Top 20 wide receiver, points per game. Do you have a minimum number of games you want to incorporate here? I mean, if he plays one game and scores 47 points and never tires, I'm probably going to win. I would say eight, at least half the season. Okay. Let's get a Cooper eight. Cup season eight. in there. Eight. Okay. I eight. mean, we're talking about for the board bet. We're not talking about for the Minimum eight games played. All right, here we go. Ready? Okay. I say Debo Samuel finishes a top 20 wide receiver on a points-per-game basis this season with a minimum of eight games played. I say
0: Debo Samuel does not finish as a top 20 wide receiver with a minimum of eight games
2: played. All righty. Put, put it on, on the board. board. I don't think we have the drop anymore, so I'll just put it on the board. Put, put, it, on the board. Board. put it on the board. All right, who, who would, if, you had to, if you had to join this, this, this board bet, which side are you, on, Liz? Side I do you w- want, Liz?
1: I would side with Field here. But what? also, I just want to point out that for all of Field's platitudes towards Debo Samuel, you're never going to get him because he's being drafted right around the same time as Chris Olave, and we both know how you feel about him.
2: That's a good point. It's probably <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> that true. That is true. Somebody could snipe me on Chris Olave. That's right. Um, That's right. You know something, Liz? I-, I like your style there. Are you available for the rest of the season to be on the show? <laughs> You've got life.
1: Check my miles. Okay,
2: yeah. We'll t- okay. We'll t- we'll talk. We can potentially negotiate here. Here's my next question. Then okay, okay. So like
0: we love CMC in this offense field. We just talked about Debo. Yep is there a way that we can, and I like Brandon Ayuk as well, is there a way that this offense can still sustain, sustain enough of a passing attack with Brock Purdy that George Kittle can also be a guy that is at the top end of his position. He's now a tight end five right now.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's probably unrealistic that week over week, you're returning value on these players based off where they are ranked. Christian yep. McCaffrey, we feel fine about, and we'll talk more about George Kittle in a second here, uh, but these two receivers, like it is, gonna, like you're going to have to definitely handle like a couple of curveball weeks from deep Samuel where it's like he only had 6 targets and caught 4 of them for 43 yards. What the heck? That's my potential wide receiver one. Ayuk's going to have a couple of balloon games where he goes off because he's a really talented player and then he's going to have some games where he has two catches because yep. that's what it's been for these past few years with a really crowded and awesome San Francisco 49ers passing game. And right, that's Liz?
1: what yeah, that's what we saw. I mean, I mean for me, Brandon Ayuk is intriguing, and he's not as cheap as he should be, frankly, because he's coming off of a career season where he finally uh, eclipsed a thousand yards, but he managed top thirty. 30- fantasy numbers um four of the nine games down the stretch two of which occurred while Debo was out yeah. so that's what you're going to get here you're going to get a lot of up and down yep. I understand your point Daniel of like well if we know we're not going to have consistency and we know we're going to have a lot of boom and bust weeks why not lean into the value with Ayuk and pass on it with Debo but I think you just don't have as high of a ceiling with Ayuk and that's baked into the ADP
2: that's fair yeah uh, that's fair with the Boom weeks are going to happen for sure. Yeah. So uh, by the way, I think this this conversation really applies just to the wide receivers because we'll talk about George Kittle here in a second and why it's a little bit different as a tight end. Um, but yeah, so like that that's just a decision that you have to make when you are drafting these wide receivers because Ayuk's uh, end of season finish could be higher than like where we are consistently ranking him because he could have five amazing games that catapult him to like wide receiver twenty two based off of where he is being ranked in the preseason, I don't think he'll be a consistently top 22 ranked wide receiver unless something happens to Debo Samuel. I think that's fair. I, they're complicated. I mean, you know, of course, Stefania, you know what Stefania is doing right now? Stefania is watching this show. That's exactly She's watching. <laughs> Screaming at the television. No, 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 no. First of all. Stefania is probably on a boat somewhere. All right. After the marathon, she's like, I need some time. All right. So, you know, like, what's like, what's the coolest coast? Like, where does Tom San Brady Tropez. vacation? San Tropez. All right. So, she's probably in San Tropez right now. What do they drink? A flute of, 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 of,
1: Aperol Spritz.
2: Aperol Spritz. Thank you. I'm not very cultural. I don't even know what these things Let's keep are. keep playing this game. All right. So, <laughs> Stefania's got a flute of Aperol Spritz from San Tropez right now. And it's like, uh, those peasants that still have to work after the fantasy marathon must be horrible um (laughs) so she right now is maybe maybe watching this but at some point when she does stream it she'll be like yeah my team has too many good players get used to it right she's like sorry guys like sorry can't relate to your team that's barely got like one top 30 wide receiver meanwhile Debo Samuel was the highest scoring receiver in fantasy two years ago and you guys are you know being unkind to him you know that just these are High society problems for the 49 Exactly, exactly. This is a
0: plethora of riches right now, but everything feels a little different because we're not sure what to make of the, of the quarterback
2: position and how that's going to impact everybody else within this so offense. I actually don't mind the quarterback position. It's going to be Brock Purdy, and I don't yes. care yes. who's playing quarterback because the offense is going to go. We've seen Nick Mullins. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen Brock Purdy. It's going to happen, right? Um, honestly, except for with Trey Lance. It hasn't really hummed, um, but that's a different conversation for a dynasty pot at some point. But I think this is specific to the two wide receivers. Like, I just think there's a bit more up and down nature because it's not just these two, by the way. They do have some other receivers that, like, you'll have a random Danny Gray, like, 55-yard catch that you're like, oh, third-round pick yep. can really fly. He's a good player. Yeah, that is going to happen on occasion with the 49ers. I think it's those two wide receivers because with Christian McCaffrey, he's going to get his. We saw it last year. Like, he got traded on a Thursday night and played, and still, and played a lot on Sunday against mm-hmm. the Chiefs. Like, he's going to be the guy. And then with George Kittle, this is what you sign up for with tight ends. Mm -hmm. And and George Kittle is an elite player. I'd argue he's in the conversation along with Travis Kelsey for the very best tight ends and all the NFL. But look at what you saw last year from George Kittle, who missed the first two games of the season. I'm going to read you his weekly finish amongst tight ends. You ready for this? Buckle up if you're not ready to get frustrated. 27, 33, 23. That's terrible, right? Those are all great. Things are better now. 11, first, fifth. Those are great right? Yep. Especially that five and one, uh, 27, two, 25, 27, 14, one, one, 12, two. So he finished with an absolute banger down the stretch. He had seven touchdowns in the last four games of last season. Yeah. So he has an up and down nature to him, but it's different than the wide receivers because it's not like you could make a case. Like you might have an option on your bench where you're like, all right, do I start Brandon? Ayuk or do I go with like the safety and security of like Jacoby Myers, right? Mm. With the, with George Kittle, like, you're playing him. If you've drafted him, yeah. you are playing George Kittle. You just have to acknowledge that he might be the best player on your team in a week, and he also might get you 4.2 fantasy points He will. He will absolutely have weeks that
0: guys that will be like, oh, man, I could have just drafted tight end 12 and gotten 4.8 fantasy points. But what tight end 12 won't get you are those 33-point weeks yep. that he has. Yep.
1: Or this, it, Well, he had six top five weeks yeah. last year, and he had six finishes of 20 or worse. So that's your disparity. That's boom or bust, you know what I right mean? There. Like it really you're is. You're gonna get six top five, you'll take those, and six at twenty or outside of the top twenty. Yeah. Yep. You know what's interesting to me about George Kittle? Because I hear people be like, Well, you know he blocks a lot. Yeah. He blocks a lot. You know what his route participation percentage was last year? I don't. Ninety.
0: That seems
2: high. Num- 90? tight end
1: too. Ninety yeah. percent route participation. Yeah, a ton of route. Yeah. yeah. It's not just, oh, he blocks a lot.
2: Gosh. But he is sweet at blocking. I'm not saying he's not great. At, and, that's
1: and, that's part of the issue. Yeah, he's and, so good at it and that my, you expect he's doing it more frequently than he actually is.
2: I play in a points per pancake league with Mike Golick junior. who's oh, yeah. the commissioner, and it's like George Kittle rules in that
0: league.
1: Yeah, it's so
2: good.
0: Honestly, like I don't know what else to say about this. Like George Kittle is a top five tight end. He's gonna have he's a yo-yo player, but at the tight end position, yeah. some up weeks, some down weeks. And this 49ers team really does have a plethora of riches every single week. It could be a different guy that's getting involved, but I think obviously Stefania is in a good spot because this
2: is a pretty good team. Going yeah. to be another good I team mean, here this year. Beyond that, you know, again, Central she's, Perry, yeah, she's, she's out there good doing things. Yeah. Like yeah. Private aviation. <laughs> Almost last night we like, all right. Like Adam Schefter was like, hey, is um, is anybody available to drive me to the hotel across the street? Do they have Ubers in this area? You know, Stefania was like, Monty will be here soon, picking me yes. up on a helipad. like Monty. she's like, yeah, my guy. I'm on a helipad. To the local, what's what's the local? Do we have a private aviation airport around? I was here? gonna
0: say, yeah, I think maybe down. The only one I
2: know is Teterboro, right? I think like that's where all the I'm rich millionaires in New York fly to. I have to. no idea. I've just heard that before. Teterboro is probably like a like a town a in like town. you know, Lex, it's like right outside Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky. For all I know, okay, yeah. it's confirmed in New
0: Jersey. Yeah, all there right, you I wasn't off there, there you go. Anyways, all right. Yeah. Uh, let's move ahead and talk about the Rams. Are you good with everything on the 49ers? I think that's really where it's yeah, at. Yeah. No, all right. Let's yeah. talk about the Rams. Don't draft their defense too early. They were that's fair. Very fair. Rams were terrible last year five and 12 minus 77 point differential might have one of the worst defenses in the league. Mike clay has made that very clear. And because they are going to have potentially one of the worst defenses in the league field, they might have to throw the ball a ton just to be able to stay in games. So my question is, it feels like Cooper Cup has not been a part of the 1.01 conversation this year because everyone is in on Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase because Cup's coming back from a little bit of a hamstring uh, situation. Yeah, I does think he belong
2: in that 1.01 conversation? Not only does he belong in it, you are now getting a massive, massive deal on Cooper Cup, we've done two mock drafts together recently he went ninth and then seventh in back to back mock drafts and I legitimately think he's got a very plausible case to be in the highest drafted player in all of fantasy this season yes he's older than Justin Jefferson I get that yes he is currently hurt but it sounds like by all the counts he'll be ready as a matter of fact Sean McVay said uh, yesterday that he should be available or could be available I should say by next Monday the 21st Um, so how about this Cooper Cup last season wide receiver one and fantasy points per game. That yeah, seems was, pretty good, right? That was pretty good. That also includes a game in which he got hurt. And I think had, what was it? Let me I'm just go check the game log here. Just so I don't screw this up. Uh, he had, 2.9 fantasy points in his final game because he got hurt, and he's still still wide receiver one in points per game. If you go through his game log over the past two seasons, and I'm just going to pull up last season's, like here's what you're getting from Cooper Cup. We're looking for what two things in an elite receiver, an elite player. Period. Upside and consistency, right? Yep. How does 31.8, 31.8, 16.4, 26.2, 25.9, 16.7, 22.9, 26.8? Prior to the injury, the worst version of Cooper Cup that you got was 16.4 fantasy points. I get it. It's not a a year to year league. You got to address each year differently. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you Justin Jefferson is not incredible. He is. You look through his game log last year 10.8, 4.4, 6.3, 2.5, 7.8. No player has proven himself less immune. To or more immune, excuse me, to terrible weeks than Cooper Cup. I get it. He's a little bit older than those guys. I still think Cooper Cup has at least one more elite season athletically in him. He is the most uncoverable player in all of football because he plays out of the slot. Teams just can't find a way to slow him down. They certainly couldn't do it two years ago. They couldn't do it to start the season last year. Matthew Stafford is healthy. Maybe at some point this Rams thing just falls apart, but that's a problem I want to deal with a whole lot later on in this season. He plays for a brilliant offensive mm-hmm. mind. Yep. I really believe that Cooper Cup has become one of the best values in the entire first round. And we're talking about a guy who is going like seventh or eighth. And that's a value that tells you how ridiculously good Cooper Cup is.
1: Here's my biggest frustration Please, and fear with Cooper Cup. And I don't disagree that I, too, living in Los Angeles particularly, would like to ignore and deal with this problem that is the Rams situation much later down. But let's say the problem actually happens, right? And it starts to unfold. And we know that Matthew Stafford isn't the most durable quarterback, particularly at this point in his career. We saw him shut down at the end of last year. Why wouldn't the Rams... Noting that Cooper Cup probably has another year ahead of him, and he's 30 now, mm-hmm. and Matt Stafford is certainly breaking down. Do what they did last year and shut the whole thing down and look towards picks. And I know that you can't think about that, and I know you can't Galaxy brain your way out of a good value, and I'm not denying not, he's not a good value. He's going to see 11 targets a game. Yeah. Right? I'll take that. And maybe I deal with that issue when I need to deal with that issue, but it is also why I did move Tyreek Hill ahead of Cooper cup in my rankings. I'm not saying I'm not taking him like you did at nine in that mock yep. that we talked, that y'all talked about last week. He is a value, but if we're splitting hairs and I think we can split hairs between Tyreek Hill and Cooper cup, sure. that's the tie that I'm breaking.
2: Hey, I, I have been saying consistently that if you're going to make an argument against Cooper cup, it's not the hamstring. He's going to be fine. He'll be available for week one. It's the idea Everybody that the Rams is. are a house of cards and that they yeah. could eventually be the worst team in the NFL at some point this season. I'm going to address that a little bit later on. What I'm going to be doing is if I draft Cooper Cup, I'm going to reap the rewards early in the season. And if the Rams start at one and four or one and five, but Cooper Cup is doing what I fully expect him to do, totally mashing, I'm going to put him on trade block. And I'm going to say, hey, he's elite, but I need, to, I need a one for three trade. I'm willing to uh, take, you know, trade away the best player in the deal, get a really good player or two in return because of the possibility that the Rams do eventually fall so far out of contention that they put him on ice. Not dismissing this possibility, though. If we get to the point where the Rams are so bad that they are thinking about not playing their guys, Cooper Cup, potentially the next star receiver traded. Why not? No intel there, but if they're looking towards the draft, a guy's going to be 30 or already is 30. He is 30. Like he's not the future of the franchise at that point. Wouldn't you, you be thinking trade him? at that point? What's? Does he know what his contract situation looks like, Field? Well, he just signed that extension, so he's got a bunch of money still due, mm-hmm. but uh, they converted his contract for this year. So if you're an acquiring team, you're getting Cooper Cup for 2023 for like half a bagel. It's extremely inexpensive just for 2023. It's a lot more expensive for 2024. But what if you're a team that needs an elite receiver? Yeah. And this team is two and seven at the deadline. This is why. What if you're the Chiefs and you're you're, you're crushing it, right? And you're the Chiefs and you want to go back to back. And you're, 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 I don't know, nine weeks in, you're seven and two. And Cooper Cup's available and Travis Kelsey's still doing his thing but you haven't quite gotten enough out of Kadarius, Tony, or Sky Moore. We're still good enough to be 7-2. and two. Right. Yep. Would you say, hey, Los Angeles, let's talk deal? Yes. That's one I of would. many teams that can make a, a case to want to acquire a player of Cooper Cup's caliber. Anyways, I think I probably belabored the point. I'm more in on Cooper Cup than it seems like the masses are right now, which imagine saying that like a season ago. Be like, yeah, I'm more in on Cooper Cup, literally the best player in fantasy football than the masses.
1: I think the hamstring in training camp, like has hurt the narrative all
2: right i love it tremendously i love it it's helping Give me it the value because yeah. it, yeah, it's Give falling it down that yeah. draft board and well, i'm and okay it, with I that i think
1: it bears i mean we mentioned stefania she always uh, talks up the rams medical staff says it's probably one of the best in the league yeah. and he, she's not worried about this soft tissue issue so maybe we shouldn't be so value seekers there you go if you're cutting ties that's where you go and i, I right. feel like we feel like we cupped it
0: Oh, look at that, Hello. Liz Loza. No, I just, All right, uh, Let's move on. My question for you, Liz, yeah. I want to ask yeah. about Cam Akers. Because last year, Cam Akers, boy. <laughs> we had some we had some fun around Cam Akers last year. It doesn't make a difference, uh, obviously, if we like Cam Akers, because supposedly Sean McVay likes Cam Akers. Is he gonna like him again this year in twenty twenty three?
1: I mean, that was a he had a Ross and Rachel situation it was a with, tough one. with uh, Cam Akers. I don't Think it matters because I'm not worried about anyone behind Cam Akers.
0: Okay, so Tyron really, Williams really, doesn't do it.
1: I, I mean, he's got to stay healthy. You know, there's um there's not a lot of depth, so I do expect Cam Akers to touch the ball, um, twice. You know, double digit touches per week. Um. It is interesting. There was, like, a bit of drama, if we can, just to, like, follow the running back coach drama because the Rams changed their running back coach in 2022 and Akers struggled with those off-the-field issues. And then they brought Thomas Brown back, who was the tight ends coach. That guy's now the OC, by the way, in In Carolina. Um, And now they have a new running backs coach uh, who I believe was the running backs coach in Stanford that's last correct. year. His
2: first ever NFL job. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there's a lot of moving pieces. And uh, I just think that's a fascinating trajectory because when the old running backs coach went to coach at, at Arizona, that's when cam makers got back on the field and started to look good. So I think that stuff is fascinating. Personnel changes is all part of this, but a um, lot of narratives surrounding cam makers. Mm-hmm. My worry is less about the Achilles and the talent and the off the field issues and the passion with Sean McVay slash these other running back coaches. The issue is this is like a five win team with a really bad defense. And usually call me crazy. I like to pair a good defense in my running back. Yeah, I just don't know how efficient he's going to be, how great he's going to be. And while there's going to be volume, it's not like, We're going to talk about James Conner, right? We know that the volume is going to be there for James Conner. We know that the wins aren't going to be there likely in Arizona, but Cam Akers has enough other stuff going on that he's buried even more.
2: He's one of my fades in fantasy this year for a lot of what Liz just said. You know, people are probably thinking that he's going to be a certain type of player because of how he finished last season. He was great for the final what five or six weeks of this. Yeah, exactly. Um, But In those past, in those last six games when Akers became kind of the guy in that Los Angeles backfield and kind of played a lot better, one target, one target, three targets, two targets, two targets, three targets, like not a huge passing game utilization player, right? Uh, He did run the football extremely effectively. It's a mess of an offensive line right now. They are still trying to sort through. And uh, as Liz said, this is a team that's not going to be extremely good typically when you're a really bad team, like you can still throw for a ton of yards because you're often playing from behind. It more negatively impacts the rushing output, which is why I am not as concerned about what it might mean for Cooper Cup if yeah. this team isn't great, but I am more concerned about what it might mean for the overall rushing attack if this team is not great. K-Makers currently
0: running back 24 in ADP coming off the board in the ninth round yep. around guys like Alexander Madison, James Cook,
2: Whoa,
1: David Montgomery,
0: I would much rather have any of those other running backs yeah. right now than Cam Akers.
1: Akers, I think, is RB3 material.
0: I agree with you. Material. I agree with on that. Is there anybody else on this team? I think Tyler Higby is the only other one to maybe consider if you want to punt at the tight end position and just go for that hope of volume field. But he's the only other one that I'm really considering here for the Rams.
2: Anybody Please, else? Go ahead. I agree yeah, with right? you.
1: I, I think the, uh, the thought is volume here, but he interestingly only had one double digit target outing after cup was out down the stretch and he had three before cups injury now admittedly that was with largely baker makefield under center so the data is a little bit skewed from what it might look like this year sure. but you ought you think oh tyler Higby's. i bet he ate a lot at the end of last year because cup wasn't on the field and It's not true
0: he actually ate while cup was on the field That's right. that, that was the thing that was kind of surprising about all that like like the
2: he literally feet? ate like Mark a Sanchez of, yeah, eating a hot side. dog on the sideline. The side yes they're glizzies Just, <laughs> glizzies sorry i don't have a young i don't have a young i don't have a boy child so like i feel like glizz yes. is one of those terms that <laughs> your 10
0: yeah. year old probably taught you about right Sure. All right. That's going to be it for the Rams. We'll move ahead and talk about another team in a second field. But first, tell us about Geico.
2: Geico asks, how would you love a chance? Listen, this is for you. How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I'd love that. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even like a kayak if you're in the beaches of L.A. Yeah even help with homeowners or renters coverage plus add an easy to use mobile app available 24-hour roadside assistance and more and geico is an easy choice switch today see all the ways you could save it's easy simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today
0: all right the seattle seahawks are up next they are they were 9 and 8 last year with mm-hmm. a plus 6 point differential unfortunately keeping the detroit lions out of the playoffs i'll never forgive them for that let's start with Gino Smith hey yo. here's a question Last year, Field Yates, Geno Smith was drafted as quarterback 33 and turned that in to a top five performance at the position. Who the heck is Geno Smith going to be in 2023 when this is the first time
2: that he's ever done this in his career and he's 31 years old? Unbelievable. And I learned something about this profession last year is that... uh, I need to be less dismissive of players that I haven't seen it from before because this is part of what makes sports great is players coming from out of nowhere. In the case of Vino Smith, a 10-year career, largely as a backup, and sort of realizing the potential that we saw from Geno Smith all the way back during his college days. During his final season at West Virginia, there was a lot of speculation that he could be the number one overall pick in the draft. Obviously goes in the second round instead, has... Let's describe it as an unceremonious exit with both the Jets and then eventually the Bills. Like I'm not that Bills, excuse me, but just like a bad sort of start to his career. Ends up realizing this form last season. One of the great stories. He was the comeback player of the year and uh, deserved that contract he got this off season. Heck yeah, he did. If he makes all, uh, if he makes all the money, and I think it's 105 million bucks Ooh. over three seasons for Sounds our good. friend geno smith oh,
0: i mean is he going to do it again this year I, he's not going to be a top five quarterback right so i think when i'm right, looking at Gino, yeah, yeah like I, i'm looking at a guy that i see more as like a quarterback 12 quarterback 13 quarterback 14 for me oh liz but that's I, it
1: no 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 yeah, we're all fine. skeptical yeah. right we're all yes. skeptical because there's been one theoretically outlier year but also when i dug into the stats what was the thing that geno was able to do the deep ball was gorgeous last year, right? He uh, led, the, led the league, I believe, in completion percentage he with 70%, yeah, 70%. 11% off-target percentage was 30% lower than the NFL average, yeah. and this deep ball was gorgeous, but the other side of the deep ball I looked up, QB won in danger plays. QB won in interceptable passes. What's, uh, a, what's a
2: danger know. I don't, I don't, a danger, danger play
1: is, is a, like a high degree of difficulty play where there is not a lot of separation near the Receivers. Okay. okay. Got it. Got it. Got um, it. But when you think about that, I think it's that underlying, he did a lot and he made good on it, but there were some questionable and we've seen questionable decision making from Gino on the field and off the field. And, um, and so when you have DK Metcalf and you have Tyler Lockett, who we're going to talk about in a second, you can right a lot of wrongs. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Gino, and I agree he deserved the money, but I'm just trying to highlight why it is that so many of us are a little like, this is sus. Yeah. I, I, the facts are one thing, and we're looking at the numbers, but the feelings, well, those are different.
0: I said that a little earlier in the off season. He is the quarterback version of what Cordero Patterson was, a guy I was that just came that. out of nowhere mm. late in his career, and it's like, shoot. Now, like, that's great for us. We want to be able to root for the guy. So awesome for him in his career. In fantasy, though, it's like, am I going to trust it? It took so long for it to happen in the first place. But now, with Geno, at least, it feels like with this offense, with all the weapons that he has, including the addition of JSN and both of the running backs, they're like, this offense should be able to run it back again this year. I just don't have that excitement for him to be a top 10 quarterback, he's a guy that, like, if I need him as a bi-week fill-in, I feel more comfortable feeling like that's where Gino's going to net out this year rather than being the guy that he was
2: last just, season. Just remember, with the quarterbacks in the top 10, you're talking about guys that have elite weekly upside. Correct. With Gino, 11 out of 17 games, 12 out of 17 games last year, under 20 fantasy points. Now, he didn't have, like, a bunch of five-point so fantasy points. he was super points. consistent then. He was consistent, but he had just one game with more than 25 fantasy points, right? Yeah. So you're sort of—you kind of got what you were expecting from a quarterback that doesn't have— I take that back because you got way, you got more, than way more than you yeah. were expecting, but yes. Um, yeah. But if you are drafting a quarterback in the range of where Geno Smith is both ranked and going on average draft position— Yeah and he has a comparable season to last year statistically, that's what you're reasonably expecting. Yep. It's Kirk Cousins, it's Geno Smith, it's Dak Prescott last year, maybe Dak Prescott again this year. It's what Aaron Rodgers was, unfortunately, last year, where it's like not a ton of boom weeks, but enough sort of like solid, steady, dependable play that with good roster construction elsewhere, yeah, you can win your league. He is a fine 10-team starting quarterback, 10-team league starting quarterback, um, if if for some reason your league mates like double up at quarterback, like I can walk away from a ten team draft and feel okay if Geno Smith is my starting quarterback, despite the fact that I have him as quarterback fifteen on my board. Yeah, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks this year. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing. It Ultimately, would not be my preference. But I it's... love that
1: you mentioned Kirk Cousins though, because I would just feel more comfortable with Kirk Cousins because he does the same thing sure. every year. Yeah, after year, and sure.
0: we've seen it more yeah. than just one time. Yeah. All right, but Geno Smith does have a ton. of of pass catchers that is really, they might have the best three pass catchers in the league right now. And DK Metcalf, yep. Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigbo. We got to see what JSN is going to be on the field, but DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Mr. Consistency, Tyler Lockett, Liz, like how are you looking at these Seahawks wide receivers this year? Because there's a lot of balls to go around a lot of mouths to feed.
1: Tyler Lockett, fifth year in a row that he's cleared a thousand scrimmage yards, fourth year in a row over a hundred receiving yards, yeah. and fifth year in a row that he's managed at least eight touchdowns. Fourth
0: year in a row over a thousand receiving yards.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, scrimmage yards, fifth year because he that. had a couple of runs. I think he had sixty some runs yeah. five years ago. Cool. Um, sixty some rushing yards rather. Um, so yes, I think that you know what you're getting with Lockett. And I also loved last year. I was high on Lockett last year because I felt like Geno could use a receiver that makes. Pass, uh, passers look good, and that is what Tyler Lockett does. Oh, yeah. um, there's some injury concerns he's getting up there. Certainly, the beginning of Tyler Lockett's career was injury marred. Um, but I don't think you cannot. He's my wide receiver 26, you know, like I'm not going to, I think he's a wide receiver too. And if you happen to get him as a flex, then you are thriving.
0: I I totally agree with you. I took him last night in our marathon draft, only wide receiver over the last five years with at least eight receiving touchdowns in each of the last five seasons. Mm -hmm. The one complaint that I have about Tyler Lockett is just that. Thanks to Madden coming out, and I'm going to say this: he hits the A button every time he catches the football. It's like I'm just going to catch it Go and down. just drop down.
2: Well, when you are five ten and 182 pounds, and you don't <laughs> want to get crunched by a linebacker, that is often what you do. But yeah, I mean, this feels like one of the few players in fantasy football that year over year over year, we underrate him, and it and just keeps every, doing and, it. and he just keeps like you know delivering, over delivering, and then the following year. We just underrate him again, uh-huh. right? So that seems to be where we are at once again with Tyler Lockett. Liz laid out just how statistically consistent he has been. and But this year they got Jackson Smith and Jigbo, which might make the conversation different than some of the last couple of years. I really do wonder, though, how much Seattle thought Jackson Smith and Jigbo was going to be there at pick 20 this year. They had two first-round picks. When you have two first-round picks, it's almost like you're playing with, you know, you, you have a bonus chip to work with, right? Mm-hmm that could be a pick that's just as much about the evolution of their offense in future years as it is about what they could do with Jackson Smith and Jigba this year. Now they do have room for a third wide receiver in this offense. They, they, they have a lot of pass catchers, right? But yeah. it's not like they are married to playing with two tight ends on the field all the time. So it wouldn't be surprised if we see Jackson Smith and Jigba play quite a bit, but I really don't think it takes away that much value from Tyra Lockett and DK Metcalf, just because those are superlative players. Metcalf and Mike has shared this, uh, this stat recently had 24 end zone targets last yeah. year, by far the most in the NFL. So he only had six receiving touchdowns last year. He got unlucky is that number sustainable being number one every single year? I don't know about number one, but who's the freakiest athlete amongst all wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, DK is at least up there. He's certainly up there, right? Like if you have a guy who's six foot four and 220 some pounds, he's going to have a lot of end zone targets every year. It's (laughs) guys like him and Mike Evans who look like power forwards on the basketball court. So DK Metcalf should continue to deliver what he has been in the past couple of seasons. Interestingly enough, DK has been a different player the past two seasons compared to what he was the first two seasons. He was a bigger play threat in those first two seasons, but the volume has been good for DK who had a career high in catches last year. So I'm okay with the sort of the, the morphing DK Metcalf profile that we have seen Yeah, Both these players love them. Uh, one of the best receiver duos in the league, not just in fantasy uh, and Jackson Smith and Jigba like him just fine. I just think that uh, the pathway to an obvious redraft role is maybe dependent upon one of those two guys getting exactly. hurt.
1: Well, and it's a little bit different because JSN is a slot receiver. He played yeah. the slot. 88% of his uh, percent of his snaps was were in the slot in college. He's an exciting player. I mean, he was obviously super productive with other playmakers on the field okay. in at Ohio State. Um, really clean routes. I love watching him play. Sure. 99th percentile agility. Uh, but to your point about maybe the play calling changing, changing. If we know that, jsn's going to be in the slot mm-hmm. then that would be a three wide receiver slet, s- set we know where lockett's going we know where Metcalf's going the seahawks utilized three wide receiver sets on 62 and a half percent of their passes the sixth lowest rate in the league last okay year. now, now you can that the, change yeah that's gonna say that feels right? like
2: uh when when your wide receiver three is marquise <laughs> sure. yes exactly right yeah. so uh, can jsn different.
1: change that potentially but well, how much bit. yeah Sixth lowest yeah. is pretty low it is we it, get to 15th lowest that, to me, JSN, and I again, right I, understand, right yeah. I understand the desire, especially because the comp from college, I mean, this is a little bit plug-and-play analysis, which tends to thrive on the socials because it's easy to communicate, but when you're on the field w- I- at Ohio, at Ohio State, and you still produce with the other playmakers, like Chris Olave also on the field, then people think like, oh, well, he can just make it happen, that yeah. he's that kind of playmaker, but... I think that he is probably being overhyped. And if you're going to rely on him for wide receiver three production, you're going to be sorely disappointed. It is fine to draft him as a wide receiver four. Maybe something happens. Let's knock on wood because I don't want it to to one of these other two players. But he's still a slot guy and he's still a rookie.
0: I look at it as DK Metcalf is a high end wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett is a great flex play for my roster. And okay. JSN is an upside wide receiver four. I can target a little bit later in drafts.
1: Yep. But he's not going wide receiver four.
0: Well, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Let's talk about these running backs Mm. field. Ken Walker, the third had been out since early training camp with a groin injury came back. We've seen him ramping back up at at practice the past couple of days, but they also drafted a running back and Zach Charbonnet, which we've talked about. So is this going to be, we just talked about it with the wide receivers. It's going to be
2: a little bit of a committee. Which one's going to be involved? Do I expect a split backfield here in Seattle? Uh, I think a little bit of a split, but, I wonder if Ken Walker is becoming a bit of a value right now. He went way low in our mock draft last night, like super duper low. And I know Zach Charbonnet was a high second round pick. That definitely does pique my interest. But a year ago when Ken Walker was also a high second round pick and certainly arrived with more buzz and excitement than Zach Charbonnet did, like Kenneth Walker III was definitely going to go in the top 50 picks a year ago. Zach Charbonnet going as high as he did was not like a jaw drop stunner. But it was a bit of a surprise, right? Like if you had told me he was a third, maybe even high fourth round pick, I would have been like, all right, I see it. You know, like I get it. Like Bijan and Jameer Gibbs clearly had separated themselves from yep. the rest of that running back class. So last year, though, at the beginning of the season, we barely saw Kenneth Walker third. Things had to change with Rashad Penny's health to see more of Ken Walker third, which is why I do think that this job is going to lean more towards KW3 than others are giving it credit for right now. I've got him as RB16, and I think some people are starting to drop him more and more and more. What do we know about Kenneth Walker III? He's awesome, right? He is a capable, even if not frequently utilized, pass catcher. Mm -hmm. As a runner, I know that there are some stats that suggest that he is too often a home run guy or a guy that gets you three yards and a cloud of dust not a lot of in between but look at the rushing production down the stretch last season the final three games over 20 carries over 100 rushing yards he had what one two three four five total games last season with at least 100 rushing yards like just a baller player to the point that i think he's maybe being undervalued now in drafts
1: i think i agree with Field. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, Back tomorrow. Dazzling. Loza. <laughs> Dazzling player. I love that you mentioned the skill set. We don't talk about that 4-3 speed. Yes. Uh, 17 breakaway runs, which are runs over 15 yards. So I like that you're making the point about how he can maybe be a little bit all or nothing. Yeah. Um, this is still a player, and I, I know it's a little narrative street, but this is a player who transferred from Wake Forest, who was always counted out, first touch as a Michigan State Spartan, mm. Rips off a 75-yard touchdown run. Yep. He is a player who cannot be counted out. And now I understand the psychology of saying, well, Zach Charbonnet is six foot tall and he's what 214. Can't teach pounds. That. Yep. So he's a little bit bigger. He can probably withstand the uh the goal line, the brutality of the goal line a little bit better than, than Kenneth Walker can. Okay. He also entered the season with a shoulder issue. Yeah. And I know we're upset about the groin. I, you did. I, do we ever see Also, who's who's the coach here? Pete Carroll. Do we ever see Pete Carroll think an injury is an issue? I don't know if he – I mean, he might think it, but he doesn't say it. Yeah. And so I do think that Zach Charbonnet is really great depth and a great thought, Mm -hmm. but then the games have to happen, and Kenneth Walker is going to be the gamer until he's not.
2: You know what I just thought of, too, is um, is it possible that maybe a little bit of what we're getting – In Seattle could be like what we saw in Green Bay when the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon. A little bit of a discount on Aaron Jones, Hmm. but despite the fact that they drafted A.J. Dillon pretty high in the second, not high, but still second round pick, right? Second round pick, and Aaron Jones is still the guy. Yeah. Right. Still the guy for fantasy purposes who are ranking as like RB12 right now, and still the guy, like the guy that catches the most passes, the guy that scores the most touchdowns. So I wonder if maybe we have a bit of that dynamic going on in Seattle. I'm more in on Kenneth Walker the third than I think others are. Fields, you got him as running back 17, you said? Uh,
0: 16. 16, yeah. Right now, coming off the board as running back 22 in the eighth round. Mm-hmm. And it's, for what it's worth, it's dropping a lot. Zach Charbonnet. Running back 41 in the 15th. So he's actually pretty late too. I don't know if that's because of the injury, if he slid back a little
2: bit. But Probably in part because of that.
0: When we talk about a split backfield, that doesn't really feel like a split backfield if you've got that second running back as an RB 41. Yeah. If anything happened to Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet would immediately
2: jump up to be a top 20 running back on and, a weekly basis. And conversely though, if something happens to Zach Charbonnet with that shoulder injury Ken potentially Walker? lingering exactly. into the season, yep. or if they had just not taken him, would Kenneth Walker III be like RB8 or 9 in our rankings? What if the Seahawks are just like more committed to Ken Walker III than we that. realize? Yeah. Maybe he ends up being a great value at RB16.
1: And to your point earlier about him maybe uh, not being buried enough in his, in his rushing style, we just talked up these three wide receivers. Can you imagine the efficiency that he can find? He can rip off 17 breakaway runs because he's got field stretchers that allow him to find holes in speed and space.
2: I just think he's too... Damn good for him to all of a sudden become like a twelve carry and two target per game he's player not be a Kenneth Walker the it's third, not right? Like yeah. Yeah. I still think he's an awesome bet for between fifteen and eighteen carries, and hopefully he gets serviceable enough receiving targets that you're like, yeah, pretty darn strong RB two. Yeah, I like that call, Field. Yep. All right, we're gonna move ahead and talk about the Cardinals last team
0: here. Okay. They were four and thirteen last year, minus one on nine point differential. That's really bad. Uh, I think the the main question I want to start with. It could be worse this year. It's it's, it's not going to be great. Question is James Conner. We've talked about James Conner. We've talked about how he is one of the most unsexy but productive running backs in the NFL. And I think when you're looking at Conner this year, there's one of two narratives with the way that you're looking at Conner. Either you don't want to draft him because he's going to be on a really bad team with questionable quarterback play. Or you want to draft him because he's going to be on a really bad team with questionable quarterback play. Hmm. And so he's that. going to be yeah. just involved that much more. Cause there's not anyone else here. When I look at that narrative field, it's one of those two ways. It's either you are believing that they're just going to lean on this guy with volume because of everything else that they don't have in that offense. Or you just want to fade the Cardinals. So how are you looking at James Conner with this?
2: I keep saying he is the least exciting RB2 in all of fantasy football. I've got him higher than most people in my rankings. I've got him as RB15, which is several spots where the rest of our rankers are adopt. You're at RB21, are you, Daniel? So six spots difference between the two of us. I'm Um, at 17. 17. So uh, I said this before about James Conner, but it's worth repeating. It's what do you want out of a player in fantasy can influence where you have him ranked, and also where you draft him. Yeah. If you take Jonathan Taylor in your draft early and you want somebody who's like safe and yep. secure later to pair with Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, pretty good outcome. Yep. Right. If you take Nick Chubb early in the draft, you have the opportunity to go for a higher variance player. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm optimistic on Kenneth Walker the third, like field this. Or I think that Alexander Madison is going to be a really good yes. player in that That's Viking's offense, say. right? So yep. it's about roster construction. But if you look at the Cardinals depth chart. It is perhaps the weakest in the entire NFL beyond James Conner. The passing game, I'm not exactly sure uh, who it's going to run through, but it's going to heavily involve James Conner. I suppose Hollywood Brown is the most likely uh, 1A or alpha in that receiving game. Um, So I just think that volume should be significant for James Conner. I don't need him to score a ton of touchdowns for him to still deliver RB2 value. Like it's not going to be fun at all. It's just going to be solid and often pretty dependable. Yes, he misses time every single year, but if it's a couple games missed for James Conner, I'll live with that He's with my RB two. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have a couple of stats that might help bring the sexy back. Ooh. Oh, okay. Sweet. All right. Yeah. When we looked at we're expecting Colt McCoy to likely be the quarterback. We are, yeah, here, to
0: start the right? season. Right. Yep. At
1: least start the season. So Or Clayton
2: to actually haven't dismissed that possibility. Or your boy, cool.
1: David Blau. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a little bit of a, cube, a backup quarterback a little, yeah. competition. Yeah. Um regardless we had a small sample size last season under Colt McCoy. Yeah. I looked at those numbers. Kevin Pulsifer looked at those numbers for me. 15 and a 15.5 carries per game with McCoy, 20.3 touches per game with McCoy. That number, because we talked about the volume increase, yep. higher than 13.4 carries per game with Kyler, 16.4 touches per game. So under Colt McCoy, James Conner averaged four more touches per game. I like during that, that span. Yep. Now, you would think, we talked earlier, right? Like, oh, gosh, it's going to be an inefficient offense. They're going to be losing lots of volume, but they're losing. Well, I wanted to know what kind of stacked front rate uh, Connor faced while McCoy was under center. Because the okay. thought would be, you know... Load up the box. box. Uh, yeah. him to throw the ball, right? Yep. 63% of Connor's rushes with McCoy had a stocked, a stacked box. That's pretty high, but still... He managed a YPC of 4.9 with Colt McCoy, 3.9 with Kyler.
0: A full yard per carry. A full yard per carry,
1: noting that 63% of his rushes came with a fully loaded box. Wow.
2: It's boring. I don't think there's a chance for him to finish as like RB5, but I think that if he plays 15 or more games this year, he'll end up being somewhere between like, RB12, and RB22. He's Great. been a top 10
0: running back three awesome. of the last five years, so it at least has some of that pedigree in him. And he's
2: going to drop in drafts, too. We saw it last Absolutely. night. like Because no one's excited about taking James Conner. Right. He's so not if, fun. If you have a... Uh, if, if Again, if you've run some sort of risk early in your draft, and you're looking for a player that gives you a little bit more security, James Conner, not a terrible option. There. I also don't think... like. Hollywood Brown is not a guy that I feel like people are excited about drafting
0: either. In spite of how he started the season last year, yeah. this is another tough one to figure out because the first he six started games, the season man, with Kyler. he was, he did start the season with Kyler. Yep. He was a, a man on fire though. Like last year to start the season, top 10 in almost every single receiving category. But then he got hurt and Deandre Hopkins came back and he was a totally different wide receiver. Then field, if he's going to be the number one in this offense again this year, but we're not going to have that potential Deandre Hopkins resurgence. Yeah. I mean, how are you valuing him again with that question
2: mark at the quarterback position? He is a player that might end up being one of the better values because of volume, right? He's a wide receiver 33 for me right now. But who else is catching passes from a team that's going to be behind a lot? The answer is Rondell Moore, maybe Greg Dortch. But like, it's not as if this uh, Michael Wilson, their third round pick out of Stanford, there are not a bunch of players on this Cardinals offense that you can count on. Hollywood Brown is one of them. Now, is it a new scheme? It is. They have a new offensive coordinator. Last year, that uh, Hollywood Brown six-game stretch was kind of the perfect storm. No DeAndre Hopkins in an offense that was a lot of just like stick him in one spot, mm-hmm. let him play on the perimeter, run a lot of hitch routes, a lot of run, a, run a lot of stop routes, a lot of out routes, just easy, surefire completions. Not a ton of tapping into Hollywood Brown's elite speed down the field, but the volume should be absurd for Hollywood Brown this season. I don't know if they're going to get great quarterback play. If they get competent enough quarterback play, he will be a weekly fixture in your flex.
1: Yeah, I just don't think he's an alpha. I don't think he can do it. Interesting. Yeah, I I, I just. But
2: Carlos made a pretty big bet on him with that first round pick they they traded, huh? Yeah, that was a different time, and they 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 have.
1: Well, they had Deion. They had DeAndre Hopkins at that point, right? Yeah. But out of Oklahoma, when he looked at that, there were concerns out of Oklahoma that he was maybe mm, his size was an issue, and we attributed the surgery and the time off to maybe some like much muscle atrophy, and that's why his weight wasn't where people necessarily wanted it to be when he went to the Ravens. I just don't think after this much time, he's proven to me that he's an alpha. He's going to see alpha looks, right? He's probably going to see ten targets a game. Um, i just not quite sure that he's going to be able to deliver. I have him as a wide receiver three. I think I have him just outside of my top 35.
2: Man, I tell you what, just oh, watching the mock draft 32. last night. There you go, 32. uh Watching the mock draft last night, like we reached a point where it was just like these guys are f- not free, not actually free, but it's like, what's the risk you're taking here? No, right? There's no risk, but right. there's just
1: also no excitement, yeah. right? And if you're going to draft a James Conner and know that. You're, you're not excited, then yeah. not that you would necessarily draft two players Isn't from the same right. team in this way. But. So
2: you might be more inclined then at this point in your draft to take a – not a flyer, but take, to take Brandon Ayuk versus Hollywood Brown.
1: Sure, I'll take some spikes. Yeah. Okay. And I, I like the offense that he's attached to. And sure. I also yeah. think that Brandon Ayuk has developed – his skill set yep. in a more effective way than Hollywood Brown has over this time in the league.
0: There you go. I think th- I still think this is really interesting because last year, the way that it started the season, he was just a volume monster in this offense. I know it was with Kyler, but if there's going to be no one else here, and I don't want to say no one else. Rondell Moore still exists. Like we talked about yep. one of the tight ends. Yeah. I think Zach uh is back at practice now. He has been cleared for contact. And yep. so like, he's clearly the guy it's really just James Conner. For me, it feels like James Conner and Hollywood Brown are the two that I'm looking to roster. Rondell Moore, maybe a late dart throw with that you yeah, know, close it. to the the line that. of scrimmage kind of target, but nothing else other than that.
1: No, because you're going to draft a Zay Flowers instead, or exactly. one of these buzzy so, guys that you're excited yeah, about. You're yeah. not going to. Do you like then?
0: So in this offense, we're talking about how obviously Colt McCoy is the guy that's going to be throwing the football to start. Like, do you think that Kyler Murray is still worth potentially drafting?
1: I am shook since Adam talked about this on the and the marathon.
2: I think it's worth absolutely. noting.
1: It, it was a brilliant point. I'm absolutely out on Kyler Murray. He has convinced me, He Adam Schefter has incepted me, that Kyler Murray is not going to play and the Cardinals are going to look towards two first-round picks.
2: Okay, so for those that missed it, to, to highlight what, what Liz is referring totally to, shook. a player coming off of an ACL tear in, in week 14 of last year, so mm-hmm. December for Kyler Murray's ACL tear for a team that right now is not looking to get to the middle, but to the bottom. They made that huge trade with the Texans during the draft for their 2024 first round pick. Yep. They're motivated to get a very, very, very high pick beyond that. If Kyler Murray does return at some point this season, not only do we have the usual wear and tear and rust, that players coming off of an ACL often experience, but are you going to run a quarterback as much when he just suffered a non-contact ACL tear as a runner last season? yes, the Cardinals uh, might need Kyler Murray at some point going forward. Maybe they don't have that number one overall pick or number two overall pick. Maybe they have more like pick seven or pick eight. And Kyler is the best option going forward. The GM and the head coach have no allegiance to Kyler Murray. They do not sign him to the contract. And as we have seen with so many contracts in the NFL, if you want to get out from underneath them, you take the hard medicine for a year and you find a way to get out from underneath it. Shefty did not guarantee it. He did not report it, That's but true. he Thank introduced you. and not that, that, not that you said that Liz was saying that, but um, it is logical to assume there is a scenario where the Cardinals say, maybe we don't see Kyler in 2024. Now, I'm sure Kyler will want to play once he's 100%. His team, like his, his personal team, may push for him to play. But if you're the Cardinals, you are responsible for doing the best thing for the organization's long term viability. And that might be to let Clayton Toon ride this thing out for the rest of twenty twenty three. That seems so weird, Field.
0: And like I, I know this was this was that Stefania conversation as well, right? But like I definitely feel like I, I slide more to the Stefania side of that conversation where it's like you have not seen a guy play the quarterback position in a year and a half. You're going to draft a quarterback with one of those early picks yeah. unless you're deciding that, like, Kyler's going to be your guy, which I can't imagine you're doing if you're going to shut him down. So where what's your trade value when you are trying to trade a quarterback, a a top-tier quarterback Is that no enough? one has seen? Do you not want to try to tell other
2: Franchises in the NFL that he is that you kind want to showcase still, him for the you trade, want you want him that. to have
1: the audition. When like, that's you
2: a, weren't the one that drafted him, you just don't care. Don't care. I don't think you view him that way. So, light. you're like, I'll get 30 cents out of the dollar rather than maybe get I don't seventy cents out of the dollar. I don't think it's 30 cents. I think Kyler Murray is an imperfect player. I think that uh, it's pretty obvious that there are some things that Kyler Murray needs to do maturity wise to be a long term player in this. I mean. We'll never forget the four-hour clause, four hours of film play week. And Olofsky watches more than four hours of tape every day. He doesn't even play the position anymore. He works in TV, You He right? really did have a screen
0: time clause
2: built into it. It's just like <laughs> your, our children. Yes. Right? So anyways, yeah. my point is just that, like, this is not, like, Kyler is a little bit of a hot-button player in the NFL. If you're a team that really needs a quarterback and you're not in that range to draft a quarterback next year at the very top, How many great options become available in free agency? You can probably talk yourself into a player like Kyler Murray. The freaking commanders traded for Carson Wentz last year. When the options are extremely limited, NFL teams are going to explore every avenue available to them. You are not going to be getting a robust package of picks for Kyler Murray if he does not play next year. But I'm not so sure that that package goes anywhere close to up if he does play. What if he comes back Looks like crap coming off of an ACL there on a terrible team.
1: Or hurts himself again. Or gets hurt
2: again. I think teams are going to be saying to themselves, eh, that's their problem, right? Yeah. So I'm and just, maybe
1: a team, if they're in the doghouse enough that they need to make this move, are thinking, okay, we'll have a full off season. We'll get Tom House in here somebody to work yeah, they'll, him to get, they'll, they'll, they'll work him up in house. Totally. And, and we'll see what we've got. We've we know seen, the better yeah, I mean,
2: We've seen teams do, like, the Colts pulled the plug in their season last year to try to get a higher draft pick. Like this happened. I was thinking about the Colts
1: and look at them now.
2: And by the way, so I don't like Kyler's imperfect. He's got a ton of talent. I am not dismissing that, right? He's an incredible, incredibly electric athlete and had some brilliant moments. I mean, the Cardinals were what the last team to lose just like two or three seasons ago. But that being said, like this is this just feel like does it feel like Kyler is still like unequivocally the guy that the franchise revolves around in Arizona? No, Vibes. it does not. Right. It feels like this team is more focused on the players that aren't there yet, but will be in the future when acquired via the draft
0: for the record. I'm the only one that's actually out on Kyler Murray. I'm the only one that doesn't have him ranked. Everyone else has him
2: inside. And the You top might be five. correct. Yeah, you might be correct. Yeah. So. The reason why you have him ranked though, is that if he does play right, you start to get to a point where all of a sudden you're like, all right, like, you know, Does he need to be ranked higher than like Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, like guys that have like minimal upside week to week, right?
0: You're going to be, you're going to be burning your IR spot for the first, how many weeks of the season, not knowing whether or not he's going to come back on a quarterback. When there's a lot of other guys within the running back and wide receiver position, those first couple weeks that you may draft that maybe, you know, like I just, I would rather have that flexibility for my IR position with someone, not Kyler Murray, given how good, the top half of the quarterbacks yeah. are in the league. You're going to that right. for Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about, real quickly, we're going to go back and look at this division. 49ers, Field Yates, win total, yep. 10 and a half over. wins. Over on the wins. What about you, Liz Loza? Uh, all right, does this team make the playoffs? Yes. All right, obviously. Do they win the division? Yes. Yes. Yes, as well. All right, winning the division over. I'm taking the over as well. Rams, okay. 5 and 12, win total, 6 and a half. Uh, I will go with over. Seven. Under. i I'm going to go with under as well okay. and not making the playoffs. Correct.
1: Under and not making playoffs.
0: Yep. All right. Seattle Seahawks. Win projection is nine field G8s. What are you taking? Just over. Over. What yep. about you, Liz? That's a
1: really good one. I'll go just over. Sure.
0: I'm going to go under on this one. Wild card team as well. Oh, you got to like it as a wild card. Wild one. card. Yep. Sure. Liz, Liz, NFC. Lizza? Yeah.
1: All
0: right. And then the Cardinals. Win projection is four and a half. Um, I will take under over. That's a really low number, though. Four and a half is really low.
1: Four wins. Five I'm going to take.
0: I'm going to stick with field. I'm going to go with four wins as well. Okay. And um surprised not making the playoffs. No. Yeah, Liz, thank you so much for hanging out with thank us. You we for love it when you me. get to be here. This is great. Tell people where they can find you in case for whatever reason they are just finding out about you and they want to follow you everywhere and do all the things. You that can you do. follow
1: me on the socials at Liz Loza underscore FF and then on the dot com. There's articles. We're doing stuff together. There's right. shows. Just it's it's all over it's all come to the dot com
0: follow liz loza thank you so much for hanging out with us that was great yeah do it again and
2: also if you want to bring either daniel and i back to los angeles with you we will join you make a studio out there i'll fit in a suitcase
1: there is one ironically oh look at that really yeah there is one studio in los angeles studio yeah
2: (laughs) okay um i need to call my wife right now and deliver some news
0: all right on behalf of field and Liz. my name is daniel we love you guys so much thank you for hanging out with us Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. You have earned that. We love you guys so much. We can't wait to see you tomorrow. Be safe. Wear a seatbelt. And eat your vegetables. Peace.
1: Spit, I'm telling you, he's Who's that? Who's that Who's that
0: he's Who's that? Who's
2: that he's <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. making picks